Thank you for listening to the Bible preaching ministry of Dr. Tim Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today.
this, what this world needs is what God can do. What this region needs is what God can do for us. What every world needs is what God can do. What our church needs so desperately is the power of God. You and I don't have a failure in our life, but somehow, really, it is a prayer of Prayer is good for relationships in the home. Isn't it wonderful that God has given us in the Bible everything we need to know about prayer? Aren't we glad that God still hears our prayers? A little girl heard the choir singing the song, God is still on the throne. She didn't understand it quite correctly and thought the people were singing, God is still on the throne. Well, he is, actually. There is a hotline to heaven. And thank God that King of Kings will pick up when we call. And so, this morning, I'm thrilled to say that the same God who scooped up the seas and the same God who heaped up the mountains and flung out the stars, that same God has invited you and I, mere humans, to talk with Him, the great, omnipotent God. So today we're going to talk about how to get power in prayer. And I look forward to sharing some great truths with you this morning. Let's all bow our heads for it. Father, thank you. Lord, I just so enjoyed this past week, Lord, despite all the heat, Lord, thank you for the sweet time of your word with you. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time yesterday morning, just praying to our church. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for, Lord, these precious saints. I love them. Grateful to be here. Every day, Lord, is a special one-time day. You don't have even a hope for tomorrow. And so, Lord, help us to enter into everything we can this message. Never mind one. Holy Spirit, gather all of our thoughts, unite our hearts to seek them. Help us, Lord, we pray to make a decision. Thank you. 
verse 5 of Acts chapter 12, our text verse, our focus verse, will be verse number 5. So, in the uh, word and uh, number, verse number 4 is quarter minutes. And so we'll try to say that when we get there. All right, let's go and let's read it out loud. The public reading of God's word here from the King James, beautiful classic King James Version. Ready, begin. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Because he saw the pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. When he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quarters of soldiers to keep him. Tending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of the God for him. Let's have a little background to who had been saying this, and then we'll talk about how his church prevailed with God in the prayer. Peter was in prison for the third time. A preacher, a pastor, all they tried to do was serve God. He's in trouble. There he was in prison for the third time. It was all sham. He was in prison for sedition, insurrection, blasphemy, all faith. But it for him meant certain death for sure. Corrupt Herod Agrippa was the regional king. Herod Agrippa was well known as the grandson of evil Herod the Great. That is the same Herod who ordered all the male children, two and under, in the vicinity of Bethlehem to be murdered during the time of the birth of Christ. He was also the nephew of Herod Antipas, infamous for having had John the Baptist, a preacher, beheaded. Those Herods didn't like this was a scheming and murderous family. And they were all from, at least their background, was all from even. For all intents of the Herod family. Not saying anything about the Arab nations, that's just the facts of this story. It is a terrible thing when families, especially political families, become so corrupt. And we even see this today. Devastating effects on the peace and the prosperity of a nation. Well, the Jews did not like Herod. They did not like basically anybody ruling over them that was not a Jewish person. They pretty much hated Herod. Herod knew this but wanted to keep his place in power. And so to placate the Jews, these were not Christ-loving Jews, these were God. Jesus hating Jews, they he persecuted the church, the uh, church of Jesus Christ. Herod had several of their teachers arrested, among them James, the brother of John, who they he had beheaded. These angry false teachers were very happy that they killed this wonderful. 
two others were washing the doors. These were the uh, Navy SEALs of the day. They were serious guys. I mean, you did not mess with them. No way Peter was going to escape for sure. But notice in verse number five the phrase, but prayer. And that actually is the turning point of the entire story. All of this could be said. and his perfect knowledge of what we need before we even ask says then that our request should be simple and focused on him in our belief. Not only should prayer be not unto people, but it should not be unto tradition. Sometimes we have the idea that we need to pray in a certain way. Sometimes we call them liturgies. Liturgies are written prayers, are written ways of worshiping, pre-written, and certainly, uh, oftentimes, the things that are written are even good. But just to say it as some sort of a magic formula is not what God wants. In fact, Jesus, you may remember when we went through the Sermon on the Mount, he even warned, he said, be very careful about vain repetitions. Early English pastor, John Bunyan, he wrote the famous Pilgrim's Progress. He spent 12 years in prison. You know why he did? Because he refused to use what was known as the Book of Common Prayers in that day. He said, no, you cannot. It is just simply not right to substitute for people's honest prayers this liturgy. In fact, here's what he said specifically. He said, it is better to have heart without words than words without a heart. And so we should not pray 
unto people, we should not pray unto tradition, and we not, should not pray just simply to memory, but unto God. Sometimes we have the idea that just simply saying words that we put in our mind and our memory, but for prayer to be powerful, it should be unto God. There must be a definite, conscious approach to God Himself when we pray. In Scripture, this is known as seeking God. We need to seek God. That is, we're going to enter into His throne. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29, wise and experienced Moses in the latter part of his life, he fled with the people. He said, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If thou seek Him, with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Basically, he told them, he said, folks, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but here's what I do. No matter what happens in the future, if you will pursue the Lord himself, God will be there for you. Well-known prophet Jeremiah, who was so different than the empty suits of his day, look at what he said in chapter 29, verse 13. He said, if you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Be a God chaser, as the famous book says. Someone who is serious about prayer is real about the relationship with God. We just went through the wonderful Sermon on the Mount. And you remember what he said? Chapter 7, verse number 7, he said, ask and seek. He said we need to be a seeker. We recall that, that was in the present tense, the verb tense there. Was it the present tense? Meaning we should ask and ask and ask and ask. We should seek and seek and seek. We should just keep seeking. Every day, every moment of the hour, just keep seeking the Lord. But the primary thing we're seeking is not the gift, but the giver. Now, you say, well, okay, so we're going to pray powerfully. We must begin by seeking God. Well, Seeking God is not always as easy as it sounds. Not because God is elusive, but it's because our minds are saturated with misconceptions and deceits, often planted by none other than Satan himself. And then sadly reinforced day by day, hour by hour, non-stop by this culture war that we're in. The left, the woke, the weird, make no mistake, it is hard to seek the Lord with so much not to mention the very sinful hearts that we have as humans. The fact of the matter is, it's not easy to always seek the Lord. In fact, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, warned in chapter 17 and verse 9, he said, The heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can even know? The game changer in prayer is this, is when we learn how to seek God. You say, well, how can I do that? Well, Here's how we do it. It happens when the indwelling Spirit of God begins to flow in us. We can seek the Father. Here's what the great New Testament Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. By the way, this is a key verse really in the book of Ephesians. In whom you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the gospel is based on the truth of Scripture. In 
Too many of us have our lives filled with prayer lists or uh, to-do lists or emotions or stuff. When God says, seek me, don't seek all that other stuff. Our mind, our spirit, and our careful. Pretty soon we're going all, all different directions and we just feel like a crazy person. Maybe that's why David, in Psalm 86, prayed this amazing prayer. Maybe you've never noticed it. But listen to this prayer. Psalm 86, verse 11. He says, Lord, teach me thy way. This is a prayer. Oh, Lord. And that's my favorite promise in all the Bible. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I can always pray that. I pray that when I try to get my shoes on in the morning. Oh. Oh. I will walk in my truth. Look at that commitment. Now look at this last part. Unite my heart. Stand on verse of promise. 
And it's the very same word used in Luke chapter 22, verse number 44, when it says about Jesus, after the Last Supper, when he was in the garden, it said, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, fervently, without ceasing. Those were all the same Greek words. Jesus prayed earnestly. How earnestly? The Bible says he prayed as though were great drops of blood sweating to the ground. Some people have suggested that it's just a similar. However, there is a rare medical condition known as amethodosis. Amethodosis is where the little blood vessels constrict, dilate, and combine with the sweat glands, they effuse both sweat and blood at the same time. The fact of the matter was, Jesus was earnest. I mean, it was a physical reaction as well as a spiritual. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says that in the days of his flesh, meaning there were other days too, the not just flesh, he was deity of the flesh. In the days of the flesh, Christ offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears. This was passionate praying. Romans chapter 15, verse number 30, Paul said to the church, he said to the saints in Rome, he said, folks, strive with me. The word strive is like really giving them all you've got in an athletic context. Strive, stretch yourself out, earnest in prayer. You say, well, boy, that's why I don't have to pray. I, I, you know, I really give all I try to be, have energy. Actually, that's not what that means. Now, it is fervent in the sense that prayer does often have a physical reaction. But that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about really praying with energy, this kind of passion. One man testimonies to me, very sincere brother, he testified, he went to one particular church where it didn't add up to him after the fact, he kind of walked away, he said, I think something's wrong. Coach her here, and he was in that church, and at the end of the service, he came to the altar, wanted to pray, and he said some folks begged there, they prayed for him, and they told him, just keep saying Jesus. He said, why? He said, well, just keep saying. And they Music was playing. He said, now keep saying Jesus louder. So he'd say it louder. They said, now repeat it faster. And uh, they wanted him to just say it so fast and so loud that pretty soon it would just kind of run into themselves and become kind of unintelligible. He told me, he said, something like that just didn't sound right. Folks, we're not talking about manufacturing some kind of passion, some kind of emotion here. We're talking about Praying with power. Fervent doesn't mean the way we pray physically. It's talking about what's going on in our spirit. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities. He helps. He's the helper in prayer. For we know not what we should pray for as we are. Hallelujah, I have a helper in prayer. The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with those groanings which cannot be uttered. Any fervency, man, any earnestness is spirit earnestness. It's like going to the 
airport, you walk down the causeway there, you get on one of those little moving walkways. I mean, it just carries you faster and further and better. Any passion that I have on my own is only goes so far. But spirit passion is what we're talking about. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The effectual fervor of a righteous man availeth much. It's a very well-known verse, but frankly, it's a very misunderstood verse. The effectual fervor, it's actually one word in Greek. The Greek word energeo. And it is just like the word sounds. It means energy or energized prayer. Well, what is energized prayer? Well, Paul said, here's what it is, Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who energizes us. Worketh is the word there, energeo. For it is God which energizes in you, hallelujah, to both will, oh, praise God, he gives me the will to do what's right, and to do the energy of his good will. Prayer is only powerful when it is energized by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a story from my archives. I've got a lot to cover here in a few moments, so listen quickly. The year was probably in 1980 or so, and I was uh, one year or two years into pastoring. I was in my early 20s in the beautiful east side there of Stockton. God was doing some great things. I uh, knocked on the door. The lady heard uh, who I was. It was a Bible Baptist church down there. She invited me. It's just precious lady. Probably, uh, I guess, in my mind's eye, probably her 80s. Who knows? She might have been my age, but uh, I thought she was ancient, ancient. And um, walked in, and she was so happy to have a pastor in her home. And after we talked for a few moments, uh, before I left, she said, Pastor, could I pray for you? And this lady was a precious saint of God. She was one of those ladies at the buns, you know. And she, you know, I mean, in the middle of the day, she wore nylons in her dress, and she, I mean, it was just unannounced, and it was just a sweet lady, and she was so happy, and I said, I would love to have you pray for me, sister. Now, I wasn't ready for what she did. <laughs> I was her. I heard praying, but I never heard praying like that lady praying. I mean, that lady, she She went over to me and she laid hands on me and she began to pray. I'll tell you, she ascended up Jacob's ladder. She walked right into the Golden Street, walked into the throne room, and she put the blood, the lamb right there. That lady was praying. She'd start clapping her hands and she would say, Oh, God. And I mean to tell you, woo, I mean, five minutes later, I know I had to pray for her. She prayed. She prayed in the energy of the Spirit of God. She was stretching out. Some people argue about what that means, that somehow it's a certain position in prayer. But it's not that way at all. The proper way, says one poem, for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keys, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. No, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Dr. Wise is standing straight with outstretched arms and 
must be proud. A man should pray with his eyes fast closed and head contritely bowed. It seems to me his hands should be austerely clasped in front, with thumbs pointing to the ground, said Reverend Dr. Blunt. Last year, I fell on old Hitchkins' well head first, said Cyrus Brown, with both my heels sticking up and my head up pointing down. I made a prayer right then there, the prayest prayer I ever said was a standard on my head. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, folks, it's not whether my hands are up or down or on my feet or on my head. It is not the position of my body, but the disposition of my desire. In James chapter 5, verse 17, God gives the story. He said, Elijah was a man just like we are, and yet he prayed earnestly. But if you go back to 1 Kings, you'll find out what he did. He prayed with his face to the ground, and seven times he told his servant, go look, because God's going to answer his prayer. That was spirit-anointed prayer. Number one is anointed, it is offered unto God. Number two, it is impassioned from God. And number three, it is honored by God. The right kind of praying is prayed that is answered by God. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church. God respected that prayer because the church prayed it. Number one, it was united prayer. It was united prayer. Now there is power in just one person praying, but there is some unique power in two or more praying. It's collaborative prayer. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 18, 19. If any two of you shall agree on earth is touching anything in my name, but they shall ask it, shall be done for them of my Father. Many of them all been in the same room. Some maybe went home. The women were there cooking and men were out working, but they were all praying. They were all really agreeing in that prayer. Wherever we are, we join together at the throne and we pray together. In the last book of the Pentateuch, the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said, chapter 32, verse 30, this for this one shall chase a thousand, two shall put ten thousand. Now, for those of you that are into hard science, you'll know that this is the power of synergism. All of us have seen those big, powerful uh, pack horses, those big uh, draw horses, the Clydesdale breed horses. There are many types of draw horses. They're the strongest. They are huge. I've been next to them. I mean, in fairs, you just can't imagine. One Clydesdale horse can pull 8,000 pounds of load, four tons. Two, however, surprisingly, can pull 22,000. And it's a phenomenon proven many times. Synergy. Two pulling together can accomplish more than the sum of two parts. When we pray together, there is a synergism in prayer. I don't know what it is, but there's power, special power. A little girl was sick on a mission field. She wasn't expected to recover. She loved Jesus so much, troubled that she wasn't able to do more for her, the Lord in her short life. Her pastor said, you know, there's one thing you can do, even though you can't get off your sickbed, you can pray. And so that she did. She began to pray that God would save her village. And she began to, by name, cry out to God for the names of people in her village. And God began to move. She did die. When she died, they discovered that 50 Six people had come to Christ. Six 
56 names that she had credit for, with the last one the night before her death. God honors praying people that gather together and really covenant to pray. But God also honors, and I think this is the one we want to close with. We have to close for 50 years of our time. But God honors upright prayer. We've been looking at James 5 for a moment. It says the effectual prayer, energized prayer of a righteous man avails much. Yes, the intensity of the prayer is important, but also the integrity of the prayer. Notice what it said. It has to be a righteous person. Now, first of all, we're talking a little doctrine here. Positional righteousness. Before God, Jesus makes them righteous. Proverbs 15, verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but the Lord, they hear the prayer of the righteous. God hears the prayer of the righteous. Jesus makes them righteous. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is made of us our righteousness. But the, but the righteousness we're talking here is not just positional in that it's our standing before God. It is our practical righteousness, which is our state before God. And those two thoughts, righteousness, are we living a clean life? Isaiah said it as clear as anything. He said in chapter 59, verse 2, if you're wondering why God is made for your prayers, your iniquities have separated you and your God, and your sins have hid his face, and that's why he will not hear. God wants us to pray. Maybe that's why he says in James chapter 5, if you need prayer, call the elders, meaning hopefully there are righteous people who are in the Lord, and there are people who can actually pray for you and get a hold of God. When we pray, we want that are energized by the Holy Spirit, living practical, holy lives. If I want to pray in power, I need to be born again. I need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through me, and then live a holy life in God that, that promise that a righteous person, because they know the will of God. They love the will of God. One little boy was trying to move a huge stone. His father, Hugh, was watching him and finally said, Hey, son, are you using all your strength to move that stone? Yes, Daddy, I am. I'm using all of my strength. And he said, No, son, you're not really using all your strength because you have not asked me for help. Praying is getting the Holy Spirit to help. It's praying powerful. The kind that moves God. Prayer was made unto God without ceasing by the church. We're going to pray to God, God-focused, with power of the Holy Spirit and righteous praying. People who want to serve God, want to do the right thing. And that kind of praying is powerful. It gets the job done. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed here this morning. I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. I'm going to ask each one of us to pray and to say, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to make me a powerful prayer. One, God, help me to seek you and to seek your face. Holy Spirit, fill me and use me. I yield to you. Ask the Holy Spirit for his help and strength and make sure, number one, of course, most of you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Let's all stand in.
We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.